I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Well, you guys, we want it to, this is one of my favorite parts, because we want it to highlight some people who have been walking out the dream of God for their life. And any one of these guys would tell you, there's a whole lot more we're waiting for and hoping for. But there's a measure of things that they've seen happen through their partnership with just their relationship with God that is stunning to me. It's something that I really so respect about each one of you. And you're all from different genres. And I think that that's special because we can see it in business, we can see it in entertainment, we can see it in justice or pastoring. And I just want to have a simple conversation with them. They're new to a lot of you, unless you've seen them from afar. But I'm, I'm going to ask each one of you just to kind of give me a, a five-minute, who are you in the sense of what are you doing right now? And then also, how are you walking out God's dream? Or how is God walking out his dream through you in this season? Tell us kind of the highlights, what's going on. And we'll start with Edwina and Edwina Finley Dickerson and her husband, Calvin, and their daughter, Victoria Rose, are dear to my heart. They're people who are so precious to me. You can see Edwina on Tyler Perry's show on the O Network. You can see Edwina on Black Lightning as of this week. You can see her on Fear the Walking Dead. You can see her in Get Hard with Kevin Hart. You can see her in her award-winning film. What was the film that just, I'm so sorry, just went away. Brie Indeed, I mean, Edwina is all over the place, and there's a whole list of projects going on. So, But Edwina also produces content, and she is a kingdom thinker. So behind the scenes, you know, her good friends are people like Tyler Perry or whoever, but behind the scenes, she is exactly who she is that you're going to see right here to everybody in her life, and she's relevant in her faith to anybody around her. And it's just one of my favorite things when we're, you know, we get to talk, and I'm like, you're just you. I love it. I love who you are, and you're you all the time, you know? It's the best. So we're going to start with Edwina. But right after Edwina, we have Jennifer Toledo. Jennifer and her husband, yes. Hona is right over there. Hona is my bestie for life. And we've known each other for, I don't know, 18 years, and, and Jennifer and I for 15 of those years, 14 of those, somewhere around there. And we've done life together. We've done ministry together. We've We've been all over the place together for years. But Jennifer is, it's good to have friends that are like some of your primary inspirers. And Jennifer and Hona are some of my primary inspirers. Sometimes we just have friends. Sometimes we have friends with benefits. This is the kind of benefits we have. <laughs> this girl has taught me about God's heart for the poor. This is a Christian version. Heart, God's heart for the poor. <laughs> Christian version. And she, she's, she's taught us and taking all of our friends on a journey of what does kingdom social justice look like? Let's take the taboo off the word social justice. Let's look at God's dominion and who, who God is. We named our church Expression 58 together because of Isaiah 58 and her understanding of how she brought it into our community and into our world. And she's seen some of the most spectacular miracles, especially with children at risk. I mean, whole hospitals have been cleared out when children at risk under Jennifer's mentoring have, have prayed for people in Africa in whole hospital wards. And then one whole hospital had, everybody was healed in one day. That, that really happened. And so Jennifer has written a book called uh, Children of the Supernatural and also Eyes to See and Ears That Hear. And you can get those here. And I'm gonna encourage you, like when you hear Jennifer, it's gonna bless your heart. But she's also, they're senior pastors of our church, Expression 58. And they're just killing life right now. They're just doing such a good job. They have three actor children who are 
children of my heart. I love them. And then here we have Darren Mormon and Darren and his wife, Krista. How many of you uh, saw the movie Same Kind of Different as Me? Yes. So this is his movie. They also have a web series, and, uh, which I just, I didn't know about this until today. So I was really excited about, about toy collectors, which is like, yes, I'm a secret toy collector. Don't judge me. I love action figures and toys. And so, uh, and I, I'm the kind of guy who keeps them in their packages and the whole thing. But they, they do a web series about this. So if you see my office, I don't show you half of my Facebook live streaming because I don't want you to see what's behind me. But, uh, but Darren and his wife, Krista, are here. They're fathers and mothers in the spirit in Hollywood. These guys pour their hearts and blood and spirit into people all the time. And at the same time, they're producing content that's really rich. And I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't seen that movie, it's based on a best-selling book, see the movie. It addresses racism in America in a really unique way. And it's a feel-good story, too, which is really beautiful. And then we have the last but not least at all. I just love you guys. Uh, Bob and Lauren are from San Diego. And Lauren's right over here. Lauren is a spiritual mother to many. And including my wife and I recently, <laughs> we've just like received them. And um, Bob has a painting company and got unexpectedly blessed where God just kept promoting it more and more. He, like he, he, he personally told me like, I don't know why God's doing this to me. Like, like God's doing it to him to make him successful. I don't know why God's doing this to me. He does know why God's doing it to him, but it's just so beautiful how the success of God has hit this company and God's really highlighted it. And he's really taken on the culture of honor and and quantified it for business people. I love how Danny Silk wrote Culture of Honor and how they practiced it at Bethel Church in Reading and have taught a lot of other churches and they've modeled that. But not a lot of people have modeled it for business. And business people need this culture more than anybody because where finances are, there's always a lack of honor unless it's taught. It's a taught skill. It's a virtue you have to build. And if you haven't read this book yet, it's here. You can get it on site. Uh, but I'm gonna encourage you to get it and you're gonna, you're gonna get a window into Bob's heart because of it. But this is Bob. So we're going to start with Edwina. Again, the question is, give us a snapshot of how God's moving your life. How is God living out some dreams through you and in you right now? Yeah. Wow. First of all, I just want to say I'm so honored to be here. And Sean, thank you so much for having me and for having all of us. In my living room. We're all benefiting right from the anointing of God in this place. Um, It's funny Bob and I were talking in the, in the green room and I said, oh, tell me about your business and, you know, how did it explode? He said, God breathed on it. And there was just something about that that literally just took my breath away. And, um, and I almost started tearing up and I'm tearing up right now because I'm looking at all of you and we're all the same in this room, you know, especially here at a prophetic conference. It's like when God speaks something, you better believe it's because he is going to do it. He's going to do it. And so in my life, you know, literally when I was 16, God spoke to me and said, you're going to be an actress and I'm sending you into the entertainment industry. Um, By the time I was 17, 18, I was in New York City and I was at NYU studying um, drama and theater and all of that. And then when I got out of school, you know, he really started opening doors. I'm still piecing together income here and there like most, you know, actors that are starting out and, and, and kind of struggling, you know. Um, and then I was invited to L.A. to do this screen test. And, and they offered me all this money to do this new show. And I was so excited. But it came with it a nudity clause. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, just sign it. And I'm like, wait, so if I sign this, it means that I'm going to have to take my clothes off? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, but it'll be fine. I'm like, but it won't be fine. You know, and so I really had to pray into it, and I saw God move. But after that, he took me into a three-year season where he just started ministering to me and speaking to me about Hollywood and about what my calling was going to be in Hollywood and what he was going to do. And then he started highlighting this word star to me. And not just in like the, the secular way, but in just a really deep way as far as the Bible and as far as his spirit and what it really means, even the dictionary. Um, and I can go on a long time about that. But then he brought me out here to, to speak at a conference. And after that, um, I went to Runyon Canyon with a friend and my camera took a picture by itself. And I turned it over to see what it is saying. It literally said, from Harlem to Hollywood, you're a star. Congratulations. I'm like, whoa, what? Physically okay, on the camera. The camera took a picture as she was walking. And that was what it took a picture of. It was some sign that said that. Yeah. I'm trying to give you the bridge version. I'm trying to, he's like, you got five minutes. I'm like, okay. But the amazing thing is that right after that, the year after that is when he opened up all these doors for me in Hollywood and I moved. And, um... And it's funny because that movie, you mentioned a movie I did with Kevin Hart, and literally we were on the, um, I was playing his, his wife in a movie called Get Hard uh, with Will Ferrell, and we were on the red carpet, it was this huge red carpet, all this paparazzi and pictures and everything, and I'm, you know, posing for the cameras, and then I look up and I realized I was in the exact same spot as I was when that camera took the picture. And I looked up and I saw where it was, and I almost fell out on the red carpet, you guys. <laughs> I'm so serious. I'm so serious. So um, not too long ago, I was in Memphis, and I was filming a movie there, and, and, um, and the hairstylist on the movie invited me to this prophetic revival. See, the black church, we got revivals. <laughs> a prophetic revival. So that means people laying hands, speaking in tongues, running around the church. That's a revival. <laughs> But so there was a, a guest prophet there from, from uh, Florida, and he was prophesying to people. And then he stopped, and he just started writing. And I didn't know what was going on. And, and he ended up putting a note in my hand, and he said, this is what God wants you to know. And I opened it up, and he was talking about um, movies and real estate and specific places. And then he was like, oh, and by the way, you're about to know Oprah Winfrey. I'm like, Okay. Literally, you guys, within seven days, I was at dinner with her. <laughs> on the eighth day, I was at brunch with her. In two months, I had a television show on her network, filming in the exact place that he told me I was going to be filming. Why am I bringing that up? That's my life, and I could go on and on about it, but the point is that God is no respecter of persons. So if he's speaking to you, whether it's from somebody up here or from somebody next to you or somebody just beelines and gives you a word, or even if the Holy Spirit is giving you a word, right, for your own life, because we all can hear from him directly, it's because he's literally planning on doing exactly what he said, and he just wants you to partner with him. So that's what I've been doing. You know, with each big thing that he says, with each next new thing, it's like, okay, God, how can I partner with you on the manifestation of this next place? So that's just a little overview of what I'm living out right now. And I'll say this uh, as part of the, yeah, you can clap. That's, that's some good <laughs> stories. As part of just knowing Edwina, she's paid a price for this. Even when she came out to, to Hollywood, 
her uh, managing agency dropped her. And so she came out here to you know, work on a show potentially. And so she, she had no stability in coming out here, but she came out on a word of God that she's supposed to be here. And everything in her life really did start here other than your marriage, which started in New York. But uh, sorry, here. was a prophetic word. But even her baby, like <laughs> her, her, her baby, the fact that like even when they were getting pregnant, when it happened and now that she's born, everything she's walked through has been this, this place of pay, paying a price and trusting God and walking out. It's one of the reasons why I want her up here because you're going to see her in films and television more now, especially because you've seen her here. And knowing that somebody, they didn't get there by themselves. They got there because God sent them and is assigned. It's really important for you to see that in different genres, that God's assigning people. And we're going to hear a lot more from you in just a minute. But thank you for the snapshot. That really was a, a snapshot. I want like 25 more snapshots, but we don't have that much time. So Jennifer, give us a snapshot. Well, um, you know, I think for me, I'm one of those people that my whole life I've been really passionate about justice, God's heart um, for people and humanity and fixing broken systems in the world and had to go through a real process of like, how does this work biblically and really took a lot of time studying what the Bible has to say about justice. And, And from that place, I just felt like I have been on this journey of just getting so ignited with God's heart for transformation. And I'm a huge believer that justice isn't something that's optional for Christians. It's not just for the few, like, hippie, liberal, whatever you want to call them. Justice is central to the gospel. And so, to me, it's, it's a part of everything we do. And it's, if you really understand biblical justice, biblical mishpat, you begin to understand that, oh my gosh, like, I believe justice is the restoration of every violation of love. That is what justice is. It's the restoration of every violation of love. Anywhere where God's original dream for a community or for people has been violated, um, justice comes in and sets it right. And so this this past two days have been phenomenal because I think what we've been talking about is this kingdom revelation, right, of understanding who we are, understanding what it means to be a new creation. Here's reality. When you grab a hold of that, all of a sudden, everything becomes possible. Like, everything really becomes possible. Like, we begin to run into craziness. We begin to run into those places and see transformation. And I feel like that's a huge piece of kind of just who I am. Like, I actually just believe him that all things are possible. And so, um, you know, through our organization and, and just what we've been doing, um, have a huge passion for all different kinds of issues. But I want to just tell you a quick story. Is that okay? Tell you a quick story, because I, I, I think it gives you a picture. And I think this story is, is helpful. Because I think a lot of times we feel like, what can we do? I'm just one person or whatever. And this story will give you some context. But um, we've been working in Ecuador for a long time, and particularly with this issue of human trafficking and victims of sexual um, exploitation. Going out on the streets, just very raw, simple, loving on people, you know, ministering. And um, I begin to say, okay, we've got to really heal this issue. We're tired of picking up bodies. Like, we want to heal this issue. So we'd realize that in this country, there wasn't, um, there was no legislation that protected victims of trafficking. And so we're like, we have to go to the root of this. And, um, and so we just begin to pray and ask God for strategy. And he gives it because he's good. And we begin to say, okay, God, would you help us to get into the, to really influence the government in this issue? Once again, it's easy to say, I'm one person, what can I do? But when you understand what's been, all these amazing speakers have been talking about the last two days, you begin to go, I have everything I need because Christ is in me, right? I have access to everything in the kingdom. And so um, what what happened in a a nutshell is basically we assigned this 22-year-old girl on our team, 22, 
And we told her, it is your full-time job to figure out how we get into the government for a year. That's your job. And she just began to pray and seek God, is on this website where she randomly opens it up and sees the personal contact information for the three top policymakers in the country. She quickly writes it down, refreshes, and it's gone. We're like, that was Jesus. She's like, what do I do? I'm like, you email them. That's what you do, you know? He gave you an email address. So she emails them. One of them responds and is like, this is so interesting because our approach isn't, you know, I think Christians have been way too good at telling everybody what they're doing wrong, and that's not getting anybody anywhere. So our approach is to love and to serve, right? So she she says, this is our passion. We want to help serve what you guys are doing. And um, basically this lawmaker says, you're so interesting. Can I have lunch with you? And through that connection, she was offered a job to be a news anchor on the government-run TV station. Random, right? I want you to see how this happens, though, right? So she was a good steward there, and she got, had the opportunity to, to do her own show and um, run her own show. And in that, um, she was interviewing people, and it was so powerful. And um, basically, her show had the highest ratings of all the other shows, and so her boss, who wanted to, to fire her, couldn't fire her because she had such great ratings. And, um, and so from there, she interviewed this man who had lost his legs and was an Olympian, Olympian champion. And she, um, after the interview, he came to her and he said, um, what you don't know about me is I'm actually the personal trainer of the president. And I showed the president the interview you did of me. 22-year-old girl, right? I showed the president the interview you did of me, and he said, I've never seen a journalist be able to pull light out of somebody like this girl did. I want her to interview me. So literally, step by step by step. See, these things don't happen until you start just raw out every Thursday night on the streets loving people, right? Like, and then you get the next step, and then you get the next step. And step by step, literally, I, I could just sit here and tell you story after story of the craziness of what's happening. But from that day, with so much favor with the government that we were given actually the, the National Assembly um, to hold a whole... Uh, Real Men Don't Buy Women, national campaign. They put it on national television. We got to literally preach to the whole country on national television, calling the nation to end modern-day slavery. I mean, what? What? The, the government were so intrigued that it started a national conversation. They actually sent us their top policymakers and said, will you guys help us write the legislation in this country. You know, we had 24 hours to get our ish together to do that. It was like, Jesus, come. I hope we can hear you, you know. <laughs> Crazy. But I tell you that story because it's honestly that simple. I think sometimes we think, well, many times, especially as Americans, we think, oh, we need the government to fix. No, you don't. You have the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, right? We need connections. We need money. No, you have everything you need. You know, everything we just talked about in this past session, living out of that place, and I'm so passionate for the body of Christ to, to really grab a hold of this because it's working. In every country where we go to and we, we see the kingdom of God advancing, you know, a couple years, we were just actually talking about this at lunch, it just sparked a memory. A couple years ago, we were in, in North Korea, and I literally was sitting there going, I feel so much heaven in this country. And I met some radical believers who are advancing the kingdom of God, and I just get so stirred because... This is who we are, and this is what we get to do. And it's so exciting. So that was long. I'm sorry. No, it was so good. So 
besides writing anti-human uh, trafficking policy in countries, what do you do in your spare time? I mean, seriously. Like, Drive children around. You know, some of the things that uh, Jennifer and Hona have done in the past, and some of even having missionaries in war zones, and people that they're tracking with and saying, we believe in how you hear from God. And, and Jennifer has a boldness to release people into war zones and scary red light districts, and she trusts God in them, and she teaches them how to hear from God and trust God in them. And then, and then she has to be responsible for them. And the stress of that has been so high on me sometimes because it's mostly pretty girls. And they're in red light districts and war zones, and they can rape capitals of the world. And we're sitting as a missionary believing that they're not just supposed to love in red light districts but change whole issues and nations. And we're seeing that happen in a number of ways. But I so love your heart. I just love that that glimpse. It was a good glimpse. I wish we could have more time for more, but we'll hear more. Darren, here we go. This is exciting because as a filmmaker, one of the hardest jobs right now in history because there's so much competition and there's so much, there, it's in such a, a, a warp, a transition. And you guys are even trying to figure out in that warp and that transition how to follow God, follow the cloud, so to speak. But you're doing a great job. Tell us, give us a snapshot. Hey guys, what a what an honor to be here, um, uh, Graham, to to sit with you. We've listened to you so many times, and when we got invited to do this, I'm like, oh my goodness, Graham's going to be here. Um, I was hoping they'd just cancel the panel and let Graham speak. Uh, so, um, so we have a company called Reserve Entertainment, and uh, as God does, um, the heart of Reserve Entertainment really comes from Jesus' first miracle. Um, which Julian just spoke about so well, uh, which is really, really about the fact that Jesus uh, came in, his first miracle, and he created a reserve wine. And, and I, I, it means he cared about the quality of the wine. And so as a filmmaker, uh, I think that God cares about the quality of the films that we're making and the, and the quality of the stories that we're telling. Uh, also, one of, the, one of the things that's really cool is that the guy running the, part, the, the wedding says, this, this really goes against our culture to bring this, this kind of wine out second. And, and the kind of stories we want to tell or kind of go against our culture. And so that, that's at the heartbeat of, uh, of Reserve Entertainment. And what happened for me is 15 years into working in the business, uh, MGM and producing other movies and, and really doing a lot of things um, that I was really just working for Hollywood and, and God really laid it on my heart about 15 years in and to, to figure out who I was and what God had called me to do. And so I had a Jerry Maguire moment and I wrote a manifesto. Um, I, I literally took months and I just poured over this and really tried to figure out who, who am I and, and what stories does God want me to tell. And, and through that, it was, I needed to break away from just working uh, just a job and really tell the stories that God wants to tell. Uh, it really has worked out so well. We went 18 months without a paycheck after I wrote that. I'm very Jerry Maguire-like. Um, uh, you, you think, okay, God's, we got a plan here, and that plan was God wanted to take us through a process. Um, my wife was so gracious. Um, I tried to teach my kids about praying and fasting uh, just so we could make it through. Uh, they... Uh, they, they couldn't understand. Uh, but you know, the, the thing that's really amazing is that um, on, the, on the manifesto, I had a stories waiting to be told. And same kind of different as me was the first one 
that I felt like when I had read the book that it was a story that I was supposed to tell. Now, at the time, it was with Disney, um, and, and, a, and a huge producer ha had the rights to it um, that you guys would know in this room. And I was just so fortunate that, that God had a, a plan uh, when I wrote that manifesto to give it to me. And, and he provided miraculously because I, I sat down on a plane one day. A guy has the book, same kind of difference as me, next to me. Uh, and then I said, that's my favorite book and I'm going to make it into a movie. And through that plane ride, four years later, uh, he became my lead investor. Uh, and so it, 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 it just has shown us that God was in control. Uh, and from that, we have, God is just blessed. We have two movies that are come out this fall. And uh, I, yeah, super excited about that. Two in one period of time. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, I have two I'm in, in post-production on right now, and, and my kids think it's really cool because I have a TV series with Mark Hamill, who's Luke Skywalker. So uh, that's their bragging rights to their cousins. They get to hang out with Luke Skywalker. So uh, that's a little snapshot. That's an awesome snapshot. What are the names of the movies so we can all support them? Uh, yeah, so uh, Indivisible, uh, uh, we care about true stories. That's really the heartbeat of, of, of what, what's important for me, uh, although I love The Shack because um, I know it comes from a true place in, in you. But, you know, uh, Run the Race is one of them, and then Indivisible. So, and what are they about? Real fast. We have time. Sorry. Okay. Uh, so Indivisible is a, is a true story about a, a military chaplain that was deployed to Iraq in two, 2007 and 8. And, uh, and he was sent by the military to keep families together. And what he found out was how difficult it was. It's one thing to teach it. It's another thing to live it. And his marriage fell apart uh, when he got back because of all that he went through. But the people that he had loved came back around him and loved him to health. So uh, that, that one has very strong marriage themes and military, and I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, Run the Race, I'm not going to share too much about. It has a very high-profile athlete around it, which we haven't announced yet, uh, but it has a little bit of sports and targeted at the youth audience. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing. Wow. And lastly, we have Bob. Give us a snapshot. What does it look like? And then to the painter. The author, the spiritual father, and the painter. <laughs> oh, yeah, we learned that we have multi-personalities. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't think that's what we learned, but that's that wasn't good. It? Multiple identities. Identities. I've always struggled with an identity. I was, uh, I was on my way to this ordinary life, and Lauren, 30 years ago, walked into my life. And she made my life extraordinary. And with the strength of an amazing woman behind me, uh, we have been able to build a business from a 1964 Volkswagen to a company now that is mature. And, and, and God breathed on it. And, and I, we were just finishing the uh, Los Angeles airport the new Tom Bradley terminal in 2014. And there had been a lot of cost overruns. There had been, uh, we were coming to litigation and we were going to a mediation right before it was gonna get nasty. 
And on Tuesday night, uh, we have our couple's Bible study at home. And Lauren, I walked in from work, and Lauren said, hey, uh, do you have the uh, study for tonight? I said, sure. So I went to see if uh, Bible roulette worked. And first was Song of Solomon, that didn't work. Revelation didn't work, but I ended up on Second Chronicles and the 20th chapter. And Jehoshaphat is being attacked by enemies from all sides. And so what does he do? He goes out and sings. He sings. And the enemies turn against each other and kill each other. And then they go down and plunder. So I called my team at that night. I was supposed to meet him at 4.30 in the morning. And I said, I'll meet you in North Orange County. Um, and I spent that time singing with loud worship music, so you can't hear my voice. Um, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, when you get to this meeting, you, you are not going to say a word. Now, pretty much I'm the only one in my company that talks. I have a bunch of detail people and I said, Lord, that, that cannot work. That, Lord, you, you have missed it this time. And so when everybody got in the car, they started the meeting prep. And I, I had to stop them and say, so here's what happened. We had this home group and the Lord spoke to me about Jehoshaphat and um, I was singing. And this is all too much information for them because they don't know that part of my life. Uh, and, but this is what the Lord said. He said, you're not going to speak at this meeting. And the argument started, and people said, well, how are we going to get this done? You know how important this is? This is multi-millions of dollars. And I said, I know. It doesn't make any sense. It has to, it has to be the Lord. It has to be. So we walk in through this maze of construction trailers into this uh, conference room where there's eight men. And for two and a half hours, I did not say a word. Uh, and I couldn't believe it. They just started writing on details. And after two and a half hours, the lead, the, the, the lead uh, negotiator for the other side said, Bob, follow me to my office. So I followed him. And since paper is one of my love languages, I had a notebook. And he sat down and he, he started talking and he said, I'm going to offer you this much money right now. So I looked down and I wrote a little bit. I didn't know what I was writing. It was probably in tongues. And um, while I was writing... He looked at me and he said, I'm going to raise the offer to this much. So being the good Jewish boy I am, I started writing in tongues again. And I figured it worked once. And, and he finally looked at me and said, I, you can't argue with me anymore. This is my final offer. So... I just reached across his desk and shook his hand. And he said, okay, let's go. And I didn't say one word. So, it's, it's, a it's a really amazing business story, right? How God did that. But you know what the real story was? 
he was coming from my heart. And this identity that I don't know that I own in him, I struggle with shame, I struggle with all the way up there, how could you have been so dumb to get into this situation? All these things that were coming at me. He said, I've gifted you in all these different ways to negotiate, to mediate, to talk, to understand, but you are gonna watch me because I'm the one who gave you those gifts. And I, and I did. I, I, and, and when we walked out of the office, we're in the parking lot, everybody's high-fiving, and they said, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't talk so much anymore. <laughs> and so I just want to thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Paul, Graham, and Sean have all been men who have spoken into my life, and to be able to sit um, with you guys is just amazing. And now I have new friends. So thank you. You're very, very welcome. And we say thank you even more. Um, I think you should write a new book called Negotiations in Kingdom Style, and it can just be blank. Blank. Just a blank book. This would be perfect. <laughs> um, so here's what I want to do. And you kind of just did it a little bit. I want to just give people some snapshots about an area that you guys were working on that needed God to come through to bring a breakthrough for it to happen. Like you were in the middle of a project, it almost died, or you were in the middle of something and it wasn't going to happen if God didn't show up. Because you all have those kinds of stories. I didn't give them any questions in advance because I wanted them to be Johnny on the spot. And just because I think it's more interesting that way. Like if you give them an advantage, on my, even on my Exploring the Prophetic show, I totally go off the papers. My team does the whole building, the show. And then I'm like, what do you think about this? And people are like, okay, let's go there. So we're doing that too today. No pressure, except for pressure. And uh, who wants to start? I'll, I'll go for sure. Is this on? There we go. Uh, you know, we were filming this, this movie we shot in Memphis and in, in Santa Clarita, the, the war movie. And one, one day uh, in, in Memphis, you brought up Memphis, it, it was just raining. And we had to film at this location on this day for the actors and just the complications of there's just no way to move around. The, but it was, a, it was a, a flood across Memphis. And we were on this beautiful estate, and, and I just... I just prayed and declared that, that this, was, this was our day to film because I did not have $45,000 to move the day and do, it, do what it took to, to make that happen. And, and I just hung on to that prayer with, with a couple people. And we literally watched, as we, like we, this is the estate, we watched the, the clouds go around it all day long. Um, all day long, I talked to my wife who was downtown, and she said it's just flooding, and they can't even get out of the car. And we filmed all day, flawless light, everything. Um, and, and the production designer, you know, you're, you're working, and you know, somebody came up at the end of the day and said, I watched the satellite all day. There was no way we filmed. She, she's like, I... I don't know, it is just crazy. And I said, well, someone, someone actually just called it a miracle. Um, and we got, we got a chance to just, we've seen God do that so many times. Um, and on that movie, I, 
I had I had an incident with uh, we were talking about unions yesterday, uh, which we love the unions. I'm sure a lot of you guys are in the unions, but in this in Tennessee is a right to work state, so it was a non-union film. Everyone uh, was happy to get a paycheck and, and those kind of things. But the union came against us, and they brought in their toughest negotiator, um, and he was literally uh, the guy. And you know, it was one it was one of those things where. Yeah, it, it was it was a it was a big deal for the for the film um, because it was a it was a meaningful number. It was a five hundred thousand dollar number for this movie to, to become a union movie, and I just didn't have that money, and it didn't feel like it was the the best use of God's you know resources. Uh, nor did we have the money, and uh, I just stood before the crew, although. Um, they, they fully expected us to go union or we were, they were going to shut us down. And I stood before the crew and told them how much that I loved them and appreciated the, the amazing work that they did for us. Um, and I just said, I would never ask you to do something against your union, uh, but if you can't be here tomorrow, I just completely understand. Thank you. Uh, we'll be happy to give you your check tonight uh, on your way out. And uh, uh, every one of them showed back up the next morning and worked all the way through and, and because of it they really delivered an amazing film uh, and we just watched God just do miraculous things over and over. Wow. Those of you who are in the industry understand that miracle. Those of you who are not in it don't realize that that's like, you know, Moses striking the ground and water comes out. I mean, it's like that mirac- that doesn't happen. That's like Things get shut down quite a bit here. So those are awesome stories. Thank you. Tell us more. Anybody in here believing for marriage? <laughs> believing for your husband or your wife? Um, so I just have a quick story. So I told you pretty much everything in my life is spoken first. And then, it, oh, and then there's a waiting period. Let's not forget about that. <laughs> and then it happens. <laughs> and you all know that that period in between God speaking something and it actually happening, that's a very precarious time in between. So God literally spoke to me um, years ago. I was in New York City. I was at the, the biggest church in New York. There's 40,000 members. It's called Christian Cultural Center. And, um, and CCC, hey, hey, Brooklyn. <laughs> So I walk into the church, and, you know, there's just thousands of people there, and there's one particular man, he's standing in the lobby, and the Lord said, that's your husband. And I what? What? And so he ended up walking over to me, and I literally tried everything to just, like, keep a straight face. You know, like, nothing's going on here. So my heart's beating all fast, and after church, I get home, and I'm writing in my journal. I'm like, what was that, God? <laughs> anyway, a year later, we start dating. A year after that, we break up. I'm like, God, this is not the story. This isn't how it's supposed to go. But, but right in the middle of us, so we break up, and then I come out here, and God gives me a whole word about moving to California. And so I'm out here, I'm like, wait, so God, you want me to leave New York, but you promised me that I'm marrying this man, and he's in New York, but you're sending me to California. Like, how does this go? Anyway, I came out here, did a show for about four months, and then I, I stopped in Dallas to speak at a conference. And while I was there, 
this woman, I stayed an extra day because I'd never been to Dallas before, and I, I stayed an extra day just to be a tourist. And I went to this, like, open mic at this nightclub. Anyway, I was walking out, and there was a woman standing in front, and she said, so what did you decide on, California or New York? I'm in Texas <laughs> for the first time in my life. <laughs> and she repeated it again. I said, well, I just flew here from California. Tomorrow I'm leaving it to go to New York to pack my things and send them to California and move. And she was like, mm-hmm. And she said, do you know who Tyler Perry is? And I said, I know who he is. I've never met him. And she started breaking down, well, he has a studio in Atlanta and da-da-da-da and all these different things. And she's like, that's what the Lord is about to do with you. She said, oh, and you have a partner in New York that you're supposed to reconnect with. And that person's going to be very influential in helping to bring about the plans that God has for your life. Okay, nice to meet you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dallas. Right. Thank you, Dallas. Bible Bell. So I'm walking away, and my friend was with me and heard all of that. And she said, whatever happened to that guy you were dating in, in New York? And I said, who, Kelvin? And she said, yeah. I was like, well, we've been broken up for almost two years now, you know. And she said, well, that's just who came on my spirit when she was prophesying over you. And then I remembered a word that God had given me. After he prophesied that I was going to be moving to Hollywood, he said, before you move, you and Kelvin will be back together. Well, now I have a total of seven days. <laughs> now we're seven days from moving to California. How in the world is this going to happen? And so literally I fly to New York. I pack my things. And each day I'm counting down like, all right, Jesus, is he going to call me? Is he going to come by? Because I'm about to get on this plane. <laughs> And day after day, it's like nothing, nothing. You know, finally my friends have a going away party for me, and he comes. And that was the first time I'd seen him in months and months and months. And you could tell, like, everyone's like, what's going on with them? And I'm like, nothing. But I'm reminded of this word that God gave me and that this other woman confirmed, perfect stranger. But then I leave, I leave New York, nothing happens. I'm like, okay, God, I went to D.C. for Thanksgiving, and then I was flying out the next day. Well, don't you know, he showed up on my grandparents' doorstep in Washington, D.C., the day before I moved. We got back together that day. <laughs> he took me to the airport the next day, and suddenly we were back together. Well, we get back together. Now we're in long-distance relationship. But in one day, the, literally, the Lord literally downloaded to him what God had been showing me for years. He called me and he was like, Edwina, the Lord told me I'm supposed to marry you, move to California, and head up Abundant Life, which is the name of the organization I started. Now, God told me this stuff six years prior to that. Like, that's my husband, and we're going to be doing ministry together, and we're going to live in California. But it took longer, but I'm just sharing that because when God has spoken to you something, even if it's not career-related at all, even when it's a, a marriage, you know, a relationship, when God speaks it, it's because he's going to do it. And it doesn't matter what happens in between and how many ups and downs and arounds and throughs. When it's meant to be, it will be. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> It's a very vulnerable We just celebrated story. our five-year wedding anniversary. Yeah. Woo! And a baby, which is amazing. 
Jennifer or Bob, do you guys want to answer that one? Did any story come to your mind? What was the question? The question was about, <laughs> what was the moment, you, you kind of answered it, what was the moment where you needed breakthrough? Like if God hadn't shown up, something would have failed. Yeah, I've had a lot of those moments. I've had a union moment also, but I think the, the, the most important thing in my life is God has been relentless after me, after my identity, and uh, having an amazing wife to support these ups and downs uh, gave me the freedom to explore why was this orphan mindset ruling me? And an orphan mindset in my life looked like, um, even though I had two parents, uh, they were often absent because of anger issues. And, uh, and so I learned that I had to do everything myself. And I became responsible. Uh, and, but I found myself, even though I was loving the Lord, trusting the Lord, um, there was areas that I didn't. And it became more and more apparent that he was calling me into deeper areas of trust. And this process has been a 30-year process. Uh, so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is my favorite scripture. I always thought, he must have uh, not created me to memorize scriptures because I only know one. <laughs> but I know it. And it seems to apply in every area of my life. So I think it worked out okay. That had to have encouraged some people right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, the last five years of my life have really changed. Um, I wrote a book with Danny Silk called The Business of Honor. And where I've been married for 30 years and run a business for 40 years, I knew what was happening pretty much every day. And the issues that came up, I pretty much knew how to navigate them. And now I'm sitting up here. And so here's Bob outside of his box. And um, by saying yes to friends that I trust and yes to the Lord. Thank you for saying yes. <laughs> Again, the voice of, if, you, if you've never read Culture of Honor, period, I'd encourage you to start there. And then, unless you're a business person, get Bob's book right away and start there. But there's just something about with you and Lauren and your family and how you already had that in your culture or you were already learning that over the years. So when you and Danny and Sherry became like besties, it was... Uh, sorry. Say it again. I said sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Because <laughs> he thinks he's stolen from us, but they love us more, I promise. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. I... I but anyways, if that's a, our own fight, uh, when, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but when you guys became besties, there was something that happened where it's a catalyst for a voice that God takes somebody from a business world, very successful business world, but wants to make you a voice mm -hmm. outside of that, which is a really beautiful experience for us because we need your voice and it's a beautiful thing. And you'll know that's true when you read the book, because when you read the book, you'll get the voice, you'll hear what he's saying and it's, it's vulnerable and real and I, uh, I just love how you're so unpretentious. It's beautiful. You know, the interesting thing is having a friendship who, where you allow people, each other, to speak into your lives. Yeah. He saw something in me and called it out. Yeah. He tricked me. He did. He tricked me. But he called it out. And he knows me that once I say yes, it's yes. And so here I am. 
And I'm used to being behind the scenes. I'm used to advising and consulting. You're just doing it in a bigger I guess living I room than you normally do. <laughs> so Jennifer, same question. Is there a moment? I don't even know how to answer that. Honestly, I feel like every single part of my life, I would have been screwed if God didn't show up. I mean, that is honestly the truth, like in every area of my life. Um, when, I, when I started in full-time ministry, when I was 21, um, I made this deal with God. And I, I don't know, how many of you had really great plans for your life until God messed them up? Okay, that was me. I'm a smart girl. I had a good plan, a good plan. It, was, it wasn't bad. It was a good thing. It was going to do good. And then God came in and called me to ministry, and I was like, ew, no. Like, my plan's so much better, you know. And, and um, he convinced me that his plan was better. So, um, but when I, when I said yes, that I, I made this deal with God that I said, I, this is kind of a crazy prayer. Like, I don't want to do anything I can do in my own strength. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Like, I, I only want to take on projects that I'm actually guaranteed to fail unless you show up. Sometimes I've wondered why I prayed that, why I decided that. Try and be her times. friend. She's brought us into this. <laughs> many times. So I feel literally like every part of my life is, oh, dear baby Jesus, are you going to show up? Um, and he does. Good news. He shows up. It's awesome. Um, I don't know, as I was just sitting here, it's kind of a random story, but it's kind of what was stirring in my spirit, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it, but it's actually something I'm in the middle of right now, so it's a little bit raw in that sense, but, you know, we've been in this season where it's like tackling these things, going after these things, and um, there's been this cry in my spirit over our nation, and just feeling like there's just this cry in the heart of God for new voices to emerge, that are life-giving and that are hopeful and that are unifying and that aren't political, not political bullies and that are just kingdom, right, for transformation. And uh, so in this wrestle, um, we felt like last year, 2017, one of the things God said to us was, start using your voice. And I'll be honest, that's scary. In this climate, that's scary. <laughs> No? Like two people? Y'all are cool with that? Y'all, you guys are clearly not on Facebook. Um, and, you know, in that, it was kind of like, oh, how do we do this? And, and how do we wrestle this through? And um, one thing I've come to really learn, which I don't have time to break this down, but when you are truly about kingdom justice, what stands in direct opposition to you is a political spirit. Because justice is about God's government and God's order. A political spirit is about man's agenda, man's government, man's order. And so many times when you take a stand for justice, there is a nasty political thing that will attack you. And let me tell you, it doesn't usually come from the unsaved. Because the political spirit loves to buddy up with the religious spirit, okay? The religious always do the dirty work for the political, just biblically. I mean, I don't have time to break into that, but so that is something that takes so much courage to, to deal with on a daily basis of if I take a stand for what I feel biblically is our call and what we're supposed to be doing, I better be ready for this backlash of just nasty to come at me. And, uh, and so this year we've kind of been wrestling, wrestling this thing out and we felt like God said to start something that a lot of our Expression family here have been a part of, but um, conversation nights. 
And our first one, super scary, and we just brought people together to break down, okay, pro-life, pro-choice, women's rights, rights of the unborn. Can we have a conversation? Can we get God's heart? And everybody's like, you're going to do what? No, no, no. Uh Uh-uh. You're not going to do that. That's the stupidest thing you can do. You know, your church is multiplying. Great things are happening. Don't start talking about abortion. And our second one was on racism. Don't start talking about racism. And for us, it was like, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. And it took so much courage to step in that place and, and just begin to go, we don't have to be polarized. Like, we don't have to be for the rights of women or for the rights of the unborn. We can be both, you know, and, and really mobilizing the body and begin to understand, like, you know, getting kingdom perspective for if you're going to affect these issues, you know, you've got to actually get into these places with people. We've got to get our hope off. I think, you know, for so long we've had our hope, like I said, in, in this political thing and, and men to fix these issues. And, you know, so often, like on this abortion issue, So often people talk about, like, it's an issue of the heart, which it is. I think it's an issue of the Christian heart. Because, you know, so so many people who are having abortions say, I I just, you know, I feel like I had no other option. And if Christians were really passionate about this issue, you know, instead of just screaming at everybody on Facebook, we'd actually befriend these people. You'd actually take in foster kids. You'd actually do something, right? You actually would support the bills that help poor people. You know, these kinds of things. And so... We started kind of wrestling into this really scary territory and, you know, and, and then going after the racism thing too in our church and um, it was such new ground for us and we'd seen God do all these amazing things and all this stuff, but it felt scary for us in this season to do it and God has been so faithful to show up. God has been so faithful to bring healing and to bring peace to this issue and I've been chewing on the, the verse that says... Um, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And we joke around about this a lot where sometimes people will come in our office as pastors and be like, I'm persecuted. And we're like, not for the sake of righteousness, righteousness though. You're persecuted because you're just like a jerk, you know, like, let's be honest. Um, and really understanding what it means. <laughs> I mean, please, right. Um, really understanding that when you are truly living out of righteousness, it's being right with God, therefore putting every relationship right. It's being right here, therefore right here. Setting things right here. And when you're really doing that, there will be persecution. And we have to be okay with that. We have to get really comfortable if we're going to bring impact standing on a limb. You have to be really comfortable being misunderstood and these kinds of things. And so I feel like we're in the middle of that, but I want to encourage you that in the middle of whatever the new challenge is for you right now, God will continue to show up. He's showing up for us in ways that we're just like, oh my gosh, like we're still alive. Like it actually brought life to our community, didn't divide people. You know, there was healing and momentum that's coming out of it. And so that's just kind of a a personal thing as to where we're at. Um, and I just feel like the more all of you, all of us get free to really take our place and use our voice and be who God has called us to be, the more we're going to see just transformation and shifting in our communities. So, You can watch those videos of dialogues where Jennifer and Hona initiated experts in the field, not just people in the community, but actually experts in the field to have those discussions. And they're very interesting discussions. So both of those are on expression58.org. Um, one more question, because we're about to run out of time. We have about 10, 15 minutes left. Uh, here's here's an interesting question. 
what is one of the bigger like promised land prophecies that God gave you that he accomplished? And it doesn't have to be a huge story, but just he gave you a goal. It might've been 10 years ago. You shared about marriage. There was, I know there's more because there's a lot of ones for you. But what, what's one of the promised land prophecies that you waited on and it happened? You're walking in it. My whole life is just this whole dream. When I was young, um, I was with Lonnie Frisbee, and I got a prophecy when I was 18 that I was going to be a philanthropist. And I thought to myself, I thought prophecy was supposed to be edifying. So <laughs> I chased this old guy around and said, what do you mean I'm going to chase women around? And he said do you know what a philanthropist is? And I said, no. Tell me what it is. I was mad at him. I knew, I thought we were supposed to edify each other through this prophecy. So he said, it's a person who loves to give money. And then he prophesied over me again. And over the years, Lauren and I, we, we view ourselves as a distribution center of our time, of our talent, of our money. And it's just been the most amazing thing to watch God do that. It's amazing. amazing. Don't shark tank him later. <laughs> I just see people like, oh, you're a philanthropist? I'm going to shark tank you after this meeting. Don't do it. But isn't that beautiful? You were 18. And how old are you now? Can I ask? Fifty-eight. So that was forty years ago. You guys, isn't that beautiful? That's and, and some of your hope. It's been a process. Sure. That's why I said a promise line thing has happened now. No matter what it's prophesied. How about you, Darren? You know, one of the things that I that I wrote in my in my Jerry Maguire manifesto moment was uh, not not only do I want to tell the stories God wants me to tell, but I want to have an impact uh, on the people that we work with, and. And my wife, Krista, who, who some of you would know, you know, has really just been amazing at being on sets and, and just building community. Uh, and, and my kids are there. We travel as a family. And we, we didn't set out to really model family uh, for, for the film industry, but, it, but it's become a model for the film industry. But what it's done is it's given us the ability to just love um, just in, in a really organic way on the set. And, and that, that came out of that manifesto. And, you know, when we finished filming, same kind of different as me, which, by the way, is, is available worldwide this week. Uh, on, oh, yes. This week. Yes. Uh, worldwide. Every, um, so you, where, wherever it is that you get your movies, you can get it, you can get it this week. And uh, but when we finished filming, Renee Zellweger came up to me, and it was midnight, it was, it was cold in Mississippi, and, and she just gave me the biggest hug and said, this is the greatest film project I've ever been a part of. Wow. Now, Krista, part of this is because when you meet Krista, there's a before and after moment. You'll remember her the rest of your life if you meet her. It's so true. You'll never forget her. And she is your secret weapon, for real, yeah. because of who she is. And so the two of you together and your family really does model yeah. love so well. And I just, I want to add to that as just one of the pastoral voices in their lives. I just absolutely love your model. And I've been praying since the 90s for a model like you guys to emerge. And so I'm so blessed by who you are. 
Yes, God, that's a good promised land. Jennifer. I think for me the most special one has been my family, um, my marriage and my kids. Um, I had like the total opposite story of her. Like, could you just give me a prophetic word? God's like, no, die to it. I'm like, no, I'm never going to, that's never going to work, you know. And my, my journey was different where I felt like God was like, you know, I was as a young woman, like really wanting to be married and, and God was, I'm Hispanic. And um, you get married really young. And, um, you know, so I thought something was wrong with me at 21. And, um, and I was still single. And, and God actually had me lay down a relationship and, and just say, will you follow me? Will you follow me? Will you follow me? And I always thought to follow God, there was this fear that I would have to sacrifice the things that were most important to me. Anybody ever had that fear? Yeah. Nobody? Yeah. Three people? Um, y'all are so holy. And, uh, and so it was this real act of surrender. And, um, and, and then through that, literally, um, I, there's this beautiful moment, which was painful, where God asked me for three years, like the next three years of my life. And I was like, oh, my God, how is that even possible? And um, wrote this in my journal. And I look back, and at the end of that three years is actually where I met my husband, whose birthday is today. Woo! Happy birthday, oh, yeah. Hannah! And, um, and we ended up, you know, falling in love. It was totally a God thing, but we got married the first day after those three years, and it was not planned at all. It was the only day we could get all of our world together in one country at one time, like all of our people. It was a Sunday, and it literally was the first day after those three years that God had asked me for, and I just saw the goodness of God. He was like, sister, I know you can't even wait one day. Like, I get it. Like, you know, so just the goodness of God to meet me in that season. And then I'll add this part, too, with my kids. Um, you know, I had this moment where we were just seeing this beautiful, like, display of God's glory, like, just crazy um, God-multiplied clothes for all these kids in Africa one time, and it was just insane. And I had this moment where I was like, wow. And I had just found out I was pregnant with my first daughter, and I said, well, you, you know, gosh, would you take care of my kids like this? Because we were super poor, like, missionaries at the time, and, and I, we didn't have money, and I wanted to shop, you know, first baby, and, and I just heard this whisper of the Lord say, if you take care of my kids, I'll take care of yours. And I believed him in that moment. And honestly, as a sign, which was super crazy, came home from that trip, opened up our suitcases, and this was just a picture of, of the goodness of God. Somehow in my suitcase, miraculously between Africa and home, all this beautiful baby girl clothes were in my suitcase. But I just sat on the floor and cried, you know? But to me, that was like the deepest, most vulnerable, tender place in my heart. And just watching God say like, listen, you're not going to lose doing it my way. You're not going to lose doing it my way. Like my way, you will be blessed. Like I know those deep places of your heart, those deep promised land places. And, you know, he so has us and he so knows us better than ourselves. And his timing is so good. So wait for it. Wait for the best. Wait for God's, you know, hand because it's so worth it. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Last one in three minutes, Edwina, in three minutes. I'm sorry. I just want to cry, you guys. <laughs> God is just so amazing. He is. He's so good. When I just stop to consider all that he has done. <sighs> um, 
when you asked that question and then Bob, you started answering and then something just came in my spirit. I'm like, wow, I don't even talk about this publicly, but I just pray that this will be a faith um, elevator for you guys. How many of you are believing for finances? Yeah, it's a big one. It's funny because I remember like, um, and some of you've been there, so I remember going to the bank this back when I was living in New York and I, um, you know how to give you the little receipt after you take out money. And sometimes you don't want to look at it because you don't even want to be reminded of how much money is in there or is not in there. I remember one time literally getting a receipt out and there was a total of $1 in my bank account. And I kept it. And I recently saw it and it was crazy because um, like around the time I was getting married, you know, getting married is just a really special time when you want all, all the things that you want, right? And so there's one particular wedding dress I really, really wanted, but I couldn't afford it. And I wanted it so bad, and I kept trying to find other versions. Like, I went to secondhand places. I went to so many different places, like, trying to find some version of this dress. And anyway, I finally just surrendered to God, like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to buy this other thing, and it was way, way less. And then I went um, home... And I opened up my mailbox, and there were 13 checks inside of there. And when I literally counted up all the checks, it was the exact amount to the dollar. It was the exact amount of the dress. Now, that was, what, five years ago. Now, literally... I've been amazed by how, like, literally, I can open up my mailbox and there's $10,000 inside, $20,000 inside. I get a call. You know, God could say, oh, you know, finances are coming your way. Oh, $60,000. Like, what? With no labor, no work, like, literally. Meanwhile, listen, I know what it means to make 14, to be working your butt off and make $14,000 in an entire year or to piece together $20,000, piece together $30,000, okay? So now to be in a place where in one moment that can just be placed in my hand, I just want to say for all of you that are waiting and hoping and like, Lord, please bring the breakthrough. It is coming, okay? It's coming. And it's more than you can ask for or even imagine. According to the power that sent work within you. So you just partner your faith. Honestly, there's two big things that I would say out of every blueprint, out of everything that's happened in my life, is faith and obedience. Believe him and obey what he's telling you. Sometimes you may not even understand why are you telling me, God, like there's been times he's told me to give stuff away and I'm like, but if I give it away, I won't have anything. I won't have anything left. Not realizing that that's a, just a deposit. That's a deposit into what he's trying to bring to you. But sometimes it's just a heart position. 
He just wants to know, is your heart in the right place? Can I trust you when I do bring the overflow? Will I be able to trust you to still obey me and still be obedient and still have your hand open to give? So I just wanted to, you know, that's not something I share a lot, but um, I pray that that encourages you guys. Absolutely. You know, whether, whether you're here or whether you're streaming, I know some of you are streaming at home uh, or, or wherever at churches and stuff, some of you are streaming. I wanted to give you some examples of what it can look like when you walk a little bit into your promised land or a lot into your promised land. And that's why I picked these four because they're walking in a measure of their faith released heaven. And now we're seeing heaven work for them and through them. And I love, you know, we're hearing these stories that are just, just snapshots, again, just little snapshots of, of who God is in, in, a, in a life. And they're in the middle of a lot of their God stories. I know them, and they're in the middle of a lot of the, the greater God stories. But isn't it refreshing to hear some of these kinds of stories? Like, it's happening, you guys. There is breakthrough. This is God's story. This is a story of literally millions of people around the world that people are entering into their promised land. And Julian's session was so pertinent to us because when he said Joseph could have got bitter and not interpreted the dream because he wasn't walking in his, or he could say, I know a God who gives a dream. And I feel like these guys have, have crossed over something that I just wanted you to have just some, some stories that would freshen your faith and make you go, I can, I can have patient endurance. I can have a patient incubation period. And so thank you so much. Seriously, can we, just, can we just thank them one more time? Yeah. I salute you. <laughs> have you ever thought about developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge? Well, I have an eight-week e-course on this called God's Secrets. And this is developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge. And I'm going to take you through teaching, activations, impartations, even quizzes to understand what words of knowledge are and how to have a biblical-based approach to applying these in your everyday life. I want to encourage you, download it now. You can do it online at your convenience over eight weeks. And it's going to change the way you think about the prophetic. Go to bowlsministries.com or www.courses.bowlsministries.com. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together.